Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director, PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show, another crazy busy week. And I'm here with my co-host, Frank Washkirk, who is uh, back from Chicago, from our not Chicago. It was, uh, that's that's PR Decoded. We were at our crisis conference in DC, weren't we, Frank? We were, um, but we'll get to PR Decoded in we, a second. We will. Really. We will indeed, um, because we've just announced the dates and stuff for that. But yeah, uh, how you doing, Frank? It was a good, uh, it was a good event in uh, DC, wasn't it? Really excellent. Uh, packed house for all of the sessions. Uh, good to get to a new city and uh, see new people, different expertise. Um, really good trip overall. Yeah, it was fantastic. Minus the train ride. The train ride was a bit of a, yeah, I've never had to change trains across a little, plat, a little um, what do you call it, a platform um, that another trainer to pull up, up alongside for various reasons. So it took nine hours to get there. But anyway, uh, our special guest this week is Ben Trockman. And Ben's a project manager at Change for Balance. And Ben, actually, we met at PR Decoded in Chicago last year, didn't we? So welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Steve. Yes, we did, and you haven't been able to shake me since uh, <laughs> since that introduction. That is not fair. We actually loved meeting you. We enjoyed spending time with you <laughs> at PR Decoded, and uh, we hope you'll be there this year as well. But um, tell us what Change for Balance is all about and, um, and what you do there. Sure, Steve. Uh, thanks so much again for, for having me. Uh, so Change... For Balance is a strategic uh, communications company. Uh, a lot of uh, what most of your listeners know about. Um, and we work um, more specifically with uh, purpose-driven causes. Uh, we seek out uh, those clients that we really uh, have some sort of familiarity with and, and good feel about. Uh, but uh, a great organization and my role with Change for Balance. Um, we made up a title for me, Project Manager. And I do a little bit of everything, Steve. I use my charming personality to try and find new business and meet new friends. Uh, I do a little bit of uh, content writing um, and your basic project management. But it's been a, a great company to be a part of and met a lot of cool people, including yourself. Thank you very much. And um, we've kind of met you through Easter Seals as well, didn't we? Which is a terrific organization and they were involved in PR Decoded. Do you want to tell us a bit about what Easter Seals does and, and your role there? Because you're a, a representative for them, I think. Yeah. Um, so historically, yes. Uh, you know, my, my first exposure to Easter Seals was, and, and this may be in your questioning in the future, Steve, uh, but I'll go ahead. And, and spill the beans now as uh, for yeah, listeners for, out sure, there. Sure, go ahead. Um, 17 years ago, I was involved in a dirt bike accident and suffered a uh, high-level spinal cord injury. And so for the past 17 years, I've been living life as a person with a disability. And, you know, that's changed my perspective on different things and made you realize uh, the importance of community and, and giving back and, and really... You know, Steve, I, I, before my injury, I, I never, never, I didn't often use the word disability or understand what that meant. That wasn't in the dialogue of my family or friends. And um, over that 17 years, I've now become a, a, a disability 
champion, um, I would say, if I can give myself that title. I, um, you know, through my work, as you mentioned, through Easter Seals, um, being a national ambassador, traveling across the country, uh, it was a few years ago, uh, just uh, sharing a little bit about the cause. Easter Seals, for those not familiar, is one of the largest organizations that uh, benefits um, and provides services for people with disabilities. And so what's really neat is just having a history with Easter Seals. You know, I still do my physical therapy with Easter Seals. Um, I still am very connected and help them fundraise here locally and on a national level. Uh, and as uh, uh, during my day job, it's pretty neat change for balance. Uh, Easter Seals is one of our clients. And so they they also have not been able to shake me for uh, the past <laughs> decade or so that's that's just what i do steve i linger around with people <laughs> i think building relationships and adding value i i think is the it's the way i'd like to think of it and you rep i think you went up to capitol hill didn't you at one point and to represent easter seals as well i did that was uh it was about 10 years ago um we were uh advocating for more inclusive and more accessible airlines that's something that is a continual challenge um, is individuals like myself uh, in power wheelchairs uh, having accessibility issues with getting on the airlines. And that's something that Easter Seals helped me get on the hill and have that conversation. In fact, uh, we're doing that here soon again with Easter Seals. And so it's the, the battle that continues on. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think people don't, realize there's a billion people around the world with a, some sort of disability there's 56 million americans 11 percent of of those are have mobi mobility disabilities a lot of and and it's one you know that's one in four of the population what are the things or the misconceptions about disability that you've noticed over that time and even about around the language um mm -hmm. you know should people use the word disability are there, th are there are there things like that that kind of annoy you in the way um the issues uh, around um, disability are, are portrayed and represented sure you know what what i would start with is is to say that uh disability is not me it's not you it's us um you know your your statistics Statistics are, are so spot on, you know, one in four people identify as having a disability. And in our culture, you know, as we learn more, we uh, realize that uh, there are more people out there that uh, have a connection to a person with a disability than, than ever before. You know, what I would say is, is and I think that the, the misconceptions are, uh, are changing. Um, I think there's been some really incredible representation of people with disabilities, especially in the, the corporate world. Uh, my former job was at a financial institution where I, I led a, a, a division of one, which was me. I couldn't keep myself in line, but um, for a number of years, helping our corporation become more inclusive of people with disabilities. And we're seeing that a lot more in the corporate world and represents representation of people with disabilities in film and media um, is becoming uh, more prevalent. And so I think we're making really great prog progress. Um, you know, what I would say um, is that what's interesting 
just this kind of to keep perspective is, you know, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act is only 33 years old. When we think it's, it's literally younger than I am. And, oh no, I've given away my age. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when we think about some of the other landmark pieces of legislation that, you know, it really changed um, our, you know, the United States in particular, um, Voting Rights Act. Those, that's, you know, 70 years old and there's still a lot of work to do. And so kind of to re respond to your question is I think that representation uh, is getting better. I think the misconceptions are getting better. I think uh, because we are becoming more included in, in society, um, but there's still work to be done because it it is still very young. Um, just the, the act of trying to include people with disabilities from a federal level. Yeah, that's a sobering point. 33 years is no time at all, is it? So that's a good indication of maybe the lack of awareness around it. And yeah, I think you've uh, changed the balances said, and I've seen on your LinkedIn that, uh, you know, everybody's searching for talent, right? And there's uh, there's so much talent out there that's not that's being excluded or not being considered, maybe because of misconceptions or about what people are capable of. Mm -hmm. What would your message be uh, in that regard in terms of the talent that is just being uh, overlooked here? Let me just give you a simple example, uh, Steve, is that, and, and this is, to go ahead and brag about my own uh, community, the, the disability community. When you think about even the simplest of tasks of you know, someone that has some sort of barrier, uh, like myself, of you know, entering in a restaurant that might be a little bit different or just getting to some location every day. Um, we're in a world that's not designed for us with physical barriers. Um, People with disabilities are problem solvers by, by trade because we have to be. And what I would say to employers out there, what I would say to um, candidates out there is that use that to your advantage. Uh, employers, uh, you know, I, again, I had the privilege of being in a, as an employer that, that recruited and uh, for a, no, a number of years, recruited people with disabilities specifically. Now with Change for Balance, we do the same. Um, we're intentional about it because we know that that population, our population of people with disabilities are talented problem solvers. And so what I would say uh, is that uh, just remember the statistics and remember the barriers that every day that we maneuver around because those are the kind of people that you wanna work with. That's such a good point. I'm just thinking of the mass transit system in New York City or any other city and navigating that. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Any any activity involves problem solving and um, it's, uh, it's a constant challenge and, and a pressure. Um, but, uh, but it makes you resilient, I'm sure, and um, really makes you, as you say, be, be a great problem solver. So that's a good point. What would you, what, what did anything change during those COVID years? You know, when everybody was kind of reassessing their lives or maybe there was more awareness of certain disabilities or just everybody changed their perception, didn't they? Did you notice anything specific in, rela in relation to your world? You know, I, I would say that, uh, and I just 
saw that some recent data that showed that there's been an uptick in uh, it was about a three percent. It was two and a half, three percent uptick in employment of people with disabilities because uh, over the last year, because there's more remote work options, and so I think the option of being able to work, you know, virtually has has helped, um, you know, get people that that might have a transportation barrier or you know might have a physical barrier to to work. Um, those have uh, reduced. I would say that. Um, especially for you know, the disability community is I, I do fear that, um, and this might, I don't know how everybody feels uh, on this, but uh, have this fear that this reliance on remote work, you know, already with a population that, that has some barriers to getting to people by relying on, on virtual work all the time that you're not getting that um, you know, as as I see you, Steve and Frank, sitting in your your studio with cushy cushy couches and microphones and things like that's the thing that we all yearn for, right? As we want to be together, yeah. and, and so I, I would say that while the door has opened up um, for more opportunity, and that's been incredible, um, you know, I, I still I hope that the momentum continues, uh, but I hope that you know there's ways. To, to bring in uh, people in, in a variety of different ways to being a part of the culture. Cause it's all about culture. We all want to be, we want to feel welcome. Um, so I would say there's progress, progress being made and it's a silver lining of uh, the pandemic, uh, but there's always still work to be done. Yeah. Great, great uh, points there about one, the maybe a few increased opportunities, but also, yeah, I think everybody, benefits from being together mm-hmm. you know, bouncing ideas off each other we, we work in people businesses don't we in relationship businesses and just learning by osmosis and learning from each other so um absolutely and just to finish up what would your sort of one message be to um the business world um from you know your point of view from change for balance's point of view from easter seals's point of view for what you'd like to see in terms of a change in perception and and being more inclusive toward the disability community well, now, now Steve, that's speaking on a lot of be- a lot of people's behalf i might have to get some well, sign offs on <laughs> on this i i would say that um well, you're definitely in pr then <laughs> right the the process um i would say that uh i would say that inclusivity is at your doorstep and it just takes the decision to get started and you'll you'll find the people, um, you'll find the passion. Uh, just it's it's at your doorstep, and make that decision. Yeah, well said. And I uh, hope we can continue this conversation in Chicago, actually, at PR Decoded um, in October, because it's important, and we want to keep the attention and build on it, and uh, build on what we started last year. So, uh, yeah, thanks for chatting to us, Ben, and um, really good to catch up. We'll get your input into some of these stories if anything catches your ear. Frank, some lots of big stories this week. Craig, Craig Burkholz, someone well-known to us, is uh, he's leaving GM at the uh, start of May. So uh, what's the story there? That's right. He is leaving to pursue external opportunities, is how they put it. Um, so he's been there since 2020, and he uh, reported directly to Mary Barrett, the uh, very well-known CEO of GM. And they are, um, it has to be noted, this, this is all happening while GM is 
really starting this process of transitioning to uh, an electric vehicle company, which they have very ambitious goals to do. Um, you know, some slight hiccups recently uh, in terms of returning to the office and a memo that went out uh, saying that staffers were going to have to be in the office at least three days a week. It was sent out on a Friday afternoon and GM had to walk it back. Um, but I, I think probably um, an exit from a major company for for Craig Buchholz that, that probably surprised a lot of people, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. And it was interesting that the chief marketing officer um, it is, GM yes. retired a couple of months or retired inverted commas uh, a couple of months ago as well. And uh, maybe interesting timing, shall we say? It is. For that. I should mention that Joe Jacuzzi, the VP of Storytelling Operations and International Communications, and Terry Radigan, the VP of Global Comms and Corporate Giving, are interim in head of the uh, department. Yeah, well, Craig's the top uh, operator and he was formerly CCO of Procter & Gamble. So uh, fantastic uh, experience there and, and other companies uh, back in the day. So I'm sure he'll reemerge with a good uh, role, but uh, maybe he'll take a bit of time off given the timing. But uh, we will uh, catch up with Craig and we'll see what happens at GM, but certainly an interesting development. You couldn't really miss this story, could you? The uh, Budweiser trans influence uh, I think you could call it a crisis now couldn't you the way it's played I think you could out. call it a crisis yeah, yeah. Well, talk us through it and let's get into it yeah this is uh, there's a lot to unpack with this story um, long story short uh, Bud Light uh, an Anheuser-Busch InBev brand um, sent what was essentially like a swag bag uh, to Dylan Mulvaney, who uh, is a trans influencer. Um, a lot of people were very upset by this. Um, and um, there were... Uh, Kid Rock, for instance, was uh, was very upset and firing guns at Bud Light cans and things like this. Well, uh, was he? Or was someone else firing at them next to him? Anyway, I don't, I don't know. Semantics. For sure. <laughs> Kid Rock was very upset. Well, anyway. Well, we can't have that. Yeah. So uh, th this went on for a couple of days. And um, the CEO uh, of Anheuser-Busch put out a statement on this and, and really didn't make anybody happy because he didn't directly address the controversy. Uh, he said he never, uh, the company never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people. Um, and, and really used a lot of patriotic and uh, language, um, you know, a, a lot of hot dogs and apple pie and stuff. And um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that he made the situation worse, but he didn't really seem to help his company very much with, with this statement because, um, you know, number one, saying they never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. I mean, kind of everything divides people nowadays. Um and number two, I, I was kind of startled at a lot of the coverage of this, uh, including a lot of the coverage that named one of Anheuser-Busch's marketing vice presidents, you know, by name. And really, uh, there was an article in the Daily Mail that essentially said where she lives. Uh, and the amount of, you know, just vitriolic language that was directed toward her. Now, I don't know what's going on internally there but i i feel that the company has an obligation to stick up for her uh and, yeah, and at, at least say you know call off the dogs here folks um and i think that uh, i i heard another good point made about this and that look uh, bud light is the one that reached out to mulvaney and they have a responsibility to stick up for her as well so 
uh, I don't, again, don't know if this happened internally. I should say that up front, but uh, he certainly didn't address any of that in his letter. I agree on the personal safety, just the personal yeah. safety of the executive and uh, have family. I mean, at the at the end of the day, this is just somebody's face that was on a beer can, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, this is not something that should have escalated to to threats of violence. And we've seen other uh, big brands working with um, trans influencers, and and indeed Dylan Mulvaney, I think Nike, yeah, and um, Gallo has worked with a trans influencer. Um, it was a non-statement statement. It really, really was. Wasn't it? it felt like, you know, Disappointing. going back to the crisis event last week, it was one yeah. of those that you felt had definitely been through the legal department and had uh, any sort of meaning ironed out of it. And frankly, it's probably, you know, doing more harm than good, a statement like that. I think that. so, too. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were just looking for him to say very simply that, that our products are for anybody who wants to enjoy them of a legal age or whatever the case, but yeah. Uh, like and, a perfect and, opportunity to be, as we talked about a little more inclusive, that was just yeah. passed up. Right. I agree. And if you're going to work with an influence like that, you've got to be prepared for some backlash and have plans in place. Correct. Yes. Um, and and interesting point on this is that, I mean, you know, maybe I'm thinking about popularity and the concept of popularity a little bit as an old timer, but you think of, of, you know, how well-known uh, Travis Tritt is, who is also very upset by this, the country singer, or 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 Kid Rock. And if you, ga- you gauge these things in traditional terms, that doesn't take into account, you know, the tens of millions of influencers that Mulvaney has, uh, excuse me, the tens of millions of followers that Mulvaney has on TikTok. Uh, and so if you look at it through that perspective, you could merely make a case that, uh, she is actually much more popular than they are combined and has a lot more influence. Um, but I, th- that's a different way of looking at it as well. Well, Travis Tritt's a, an interesting case there is because <laughs> Daryl McCullough, who yes. uh, we know from Citizen Relations, when he saw that Travis Tritt was, was making these uh, statements, told the story of being uh, molested by uh, Travis Tritt when he was a junior PR person in line at an awards show. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting. Ben, broadening it out a little here, influencer marketing, influencers are clearly massively important these days and social media is massively important as a platform. Are there are there folks in the disability community who have become influencers and who are having a really positive impact in terms of raising awareness of issues that is is that something that's uh, that's grown in in your in your world? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, there's a list of names of people that I, I even get on. You know, I I like to think that I've been playing in the disability world for a while, and that you know I'm a notable one yourself, at, yeah. At least at least around, Absolutely. and then I, I find myself blushing when I connect with uh, with some <laughs> people. There's uh, an individual in uh, at the University of Michigan, and name's Doctor O, and he's been a, a phenomenal champion. He's a former athlete at Stanford. He suffered a spinal cord injury. You know, I think about um, I think about folks like uh, Wes Hamilton. You'll you'll learn more about Wes, um, who is a gunshot survivor. Um, he was on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and there are just people that are uh, breaking down barriers in terms of perceptions, uh, but are also um, 
know, making sure that that we as people with disabilities are are seen at the same time that you know others are. Uh, you know, it's it's always been been my hope that you know conversation about disability uh, someday is 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 uh, you know kind of just a casual talk. It's nothing that that anyone shows any awe over because we're just used to it. And I think that you know having influencers at that level uh, help that exactly because we all get to see that that people in all situations and all physical levels um, are still doing the same things as as other folks. It's like looking up to your your heroes, right? And having yeah. leaders that you can look up to. They're out there too. Are there any brands you've noticed that getting involved in doing, you know, really impact, impactful and interesting stuff? You know, there are a few clothing brands. And of course, at this point that I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on names and that would be a great opportunity to give them um, shout outs. But, you know, there are uh, car manufacturers that, you know, are trying to be, um, you know, more progressive. There are, there are clothing brands that are, and that, that to me as someone who has been, injured for 17 years and kind of seeing that progress it's it's been it's been pretty neat to see the progress in, in, in terms of you know actually um, making products and moving moving forward with people with disabilities in mind and again my mind is running blank on the the perfect shout outs uh, so that'll have yeah. to be at a later date and time yeah, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's let's try and get some an influencer panel together at PR Decoded. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds fantastic. And yeah, we've I think we've had winners in the PR Week Awards, haven't we? With products, some of the products that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, a, a Chicago-based story here, Frank. Um, Golin is uh, obviously comes out of Chicago, and their corporate practice is kind of centered around there. A lot of it, anyway. Um, but some changes going on. Yeah. Um- Lots of movement within Golan's uh, corporate practice in Chicago. The latest, Matt Coltagelli, is joining BCW to lead corporate affairs in their Chicago office, reporting to Maxine Weiner, uh, who is the EVP and Chicago market leader uh, at BCW. Um, he, he follows a few other well-known folks from Golan's corporate team out, uh, and that's Dave Duchesne. Uh, who was the U.S. corporate lead for the Midwest. Um, I'm sorry, he was the issues and crisis lead. And the Midwest and West region corporate lead was Tim Peters, who also left recently to join the consultancy Alpha Advisory Group. Um, so, yeah, lots lots happening there in, uh, in Golan's corporate team in Chicago. And that all followed the retirement of Scott Farrell, who yes. was long a veteran of Golan, very well known, great practitioner who retired at the end of 2022, but it sounds like... He's not that retired. Like um, <laughs> they, they, they're dragging him back in, yeah. to quote the old uh, Godfather uh, quote. Yes, uh, the statements from Golan on this have mentioned Farrell, so uh, it sounds like he's staying busy. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see who comes in to beef up for the, for, from those departures. Sticking with the agency world, um, we're, we're into Q1 numbers and Omnicom was the first marketing services holding company to report. What did they post? Interesting, particularly interesting this year because 
obviously last year was incredibly positive, but mm. Q1 this year, not so much. So uh, Omnicom's PR firms, uh, which of course include Fleischmann, Hillard, Ketchum, Marina Mar Communications, Porter Novelli, and a few others, they're up, their revenue is up 5.8% in Q1 to $375.5 million. Now that's up against a tough comparison uh, in Q1 last year when those firms were up 14% in the quarter. Uh, I think that given the economic headwinds, they would probably take 6% with some satisfaction from from talking to people around the industry, don't you think? Yeah, um, I would. I think they're, they're and don't forget the, the comparatives on 2020 were, were yes. although Omnicom didn't do as well on those comparisons. So if we're looking at the agency business report, which we're in, in, in the weeds of at the moment, it's coming out in a couple of weeks, looks like the whole sector is going to be up between 15 about around 15%. Yeah. So that that tallies with what Omnicom did. And I guess this this is what we're looking at for 2023, which, you know, in a standard year is not, not that bad, is it? But so it was interesting that PR was outperforming healthcare. You know, healthcare has been on a massive tear hasn't yes. it, over the past two or three years, but seems like that's settling down a little bit. It does. And, and that's something that you've heard from uh, agency executives for, you know, agency business report profiles and things like that. They expect a little bit of a slowdown in healthcare this year. Yeah. And we've got Publicis coming next. And um, uh, our colleague, Alison Weisbrot, spoke to Artur Sadoun for those. So we look out for that interview. We'll pick that up. And, uh, and while we're on campaign, actually, should mention a great article by Bailey Colfi, who around the tra the Budweiser trans influencer thing, really good analysis actually, well worth checking out about how you need a thoughtful approach to uh, w w and when you're working with trans influencers, and it's got a lot of traffic. Well worth checking that one out. So let's talk about Fox. It's settled with Dominion rather than going through this uh, whole process of uh, airing its dirty laundry, if you like. It's not usual for Fox to settle, though, is it? So they must have uh, really thought long and hard about that. But um, talk, tell us a bit about it, Frank, right. and what it's, are the numbers involved? It's that famous defamation lawsuit that uh, was filed by Dominion, which, of course, is a voting machine company, uh, against Fox News. Uh, and a lot of this is about the uh, claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential race uh, and the mentions of Dominion being at the center of those by uh, Fox News hosts. So the party settled for more than $787 million. Now, I, I've been watching how this is played uh, in the media the past couple of days, and, and um, I have this great story from NPR about it, and you, you could see the, uh, the Dominion <laughs> lawyers smiling ear to ear as they exit the the Newcastle Delaware County Courthouse. I mean they could they could not look happier. So they're they're very happy with the settlement obviously. Well they're but, a new what are they a hundred million dollar company. Yeah. So, so that's, this that's, is obviously a big deal for them. Yeah. And by the way, we should point out that that Fox is facing similar lawsuits from other parties as well. Yes. Uh from other voting machine companies. And um so they're they're not out of the woods legally yet, so to speak. But uh, look, Dominion is clearly happy with this. A lot of people on uh, the more left leaning parts of Twitter, you could tell, wanted to see the company really take it to Fox. But of course, that uh, that comes with a lot of risk as well. You could you could uh, the case could be thrown out. You could lose the suit. It could be any wow. number of negative things could happen. Yeah. So. Um, one of the things about settling is that they don't have to admit 
um, responsibility. It was, it was interesting in the press conference, uh, the Dominion lawyers were asked, I think repeatedly, whether or not Rupert Murdoch personally apologized to the company and did not answer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Fox wouldn't have settled it if it didn't think it yeah. was, uh, you know, in facing some problems there. And yeah, they, this was a one billion suit that was settled for 787. Smartmatics is a 2.7 billion suit. Yeah. So, Let's see what happens there. Any comments, producer Fitz? I I plead the fifth. Yeah, I thought one. you might. <laughs> Form, former employer. I don't want to yes, <laughs> reveal my sources. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that one's uh, not finished yet, but it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Um I mean, what had come out already was, yeah, was kind of damaging enough uh, with all the yeah, texts between the hosts and their thoughts. But on, is is it going to have any reputational damage to uh, Fox News? I I certainly doubt it. Just be part of the conspiracy yeah. theories, won't it? Another addition to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, do, do you have any thoughts on it, Ben? It makes them stronger, doesn't it? I mean, uh, I don't. That's, well, uh, I feel like eight hundred uh, millions, not uh, even yeah. for them, is a bit of a you know. Uh, financially, maybe not so much, but uh, the loyalty is. Uh, I, I would, uh, yeah, uh, maybe repeat Frank's uh, comment of uh, you know the conspiracy against it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we launched uh, PR Decoded twenty twenty three. The theme this year is Purpose Plus. It'll be um, in Chicago, October eleventh and twelfth. We'll have the Purpose Awards on the first evening, the 11th. And it's going to be a great show. It's really going to be great. We'll continue the Purpose theme, but we'll, we'll bring in other issues as well. as so many topics around like chat GPT and um, the future of work. And so we don't want to sort of not be able to talk about things like that. But, um, yeah, let, look out for that. Put it on your calendar. And, uh, Ben, I hope we see you there. Well, you better believe it. Count on it. <laughs> you're in Evanston, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's so it's Evansville. It's a Evansville. Oh, sorry, Evanston is close. Evansville is a little further away. I'm about five hours away. I'm sh- I'm uh, showing my Chicago ignorance, <laughs> uh, just like my ignorance of well, much every, other. everything's Chicago <laughs> close enough, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we love our trips to Chicago, so uh, looking forward to that. And uh, we unveiled our brand entertainment awards shortlist, Frank. Yes, we did, uh, and that. That is uh, one of the more, well, but all of our awards are interesting. But uh, this this one is terrific because it is done in partnership with our sister brands, Campaign and MM&M. So it is a unique awards program, and it really does show every year how uh, much synergy there is between regular entertainment and brand entertainment, if I can put it like that. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to see. By the way, there's some great entries in here, too. Really top work, really and <laughs> we'll celebrate that at the Time Center this year. Yeah. Going up market uh, on the 6th of June. Um, and, and just for your notebooks, Global Awards, they're in London on the 9th of May, so a couple of weeks away. The Healthcare Conference and Awards in New York City on the 24th. Women of Distinction will be celebrated at the end of May, the 31st, also in New York. So make sure you've got your tickets for that. Ben, such a pleasure. Uh, to catch up with you and uh, continued success to you and keep on influencing. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you in Chicago in October. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I appreciate being part of it.
Thanks as always, Frank. Thank you, producer Bill. And uh, we'll see you next time on the PR Week. Hold up. 